Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and listening to another, another amazing new person that I am meeting today. And yeah, if you guys have been tuning in, I actually did two solo. My last two episodes were solo ones, which I don't normally do. It was kind of fun too. But man, I was just telling Colmany how I missed having an interview. I love the connection between people. So I'm excited for today. So today I am bringing a very special new friend that I just met and uh, she seems incredible already. <laughs> and um, yeah, her name is Colmany Wood. How are you today? I am great and excited to be here with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for, you know, spending time here with us and helping the audience, you know, just get further in their journey. Um, so yeah, I want to dive right in. I want to tell you guys a, a little bit about her. So Colmany Wood, she is a certified professional coach, helping people take the courageous steps, so important, to identify their limiting beliefs, the reasons for their stagnation or feelings of not enoughness, so that they can have what they want professionally and personally to live a fulfilled life. We talk so much about how living a fulfilled life on this show is Oh, it's the only way to live. It's, mm -hmm. it really is. Um, she is, I'm so excited. She's also the creator of Authentic Me and CEO of Live Joy Your Way, which is a coaching company helping individuals shake free of their fears, unhelpful mindsets and behaviors in order to have healthy relationships and move forward on the professional path they choose. And I know on her website, which is comedywood.com, she has an amazing free ebook that you guys need to check out. It's eight steps to overcoming limiting beliefs. So that's going to be our topic for today. Colmeny, welcome, welcome to the show. You're part of the family now. Thank you. I'm excited to be part of the family. <laughs> So yeah, in order for us to understand all the stuff you're going to talk about, we need to know a little bit more about you. So who are you and how did you get to be interested in this topic? Oh, goodness. So it's not a linear path like most things in life. <laughs> I should say at the forefront that who I am right now, I am I am a mom. I'm a mom times five. Uh, my oldest is a 21-year-old ballerina who dances in upstate New York. Uh, we're actually getting ready to fly up there to watch her perform. Um, I also have an 18-year-old Division One athlete who is studying wow. psychology at college, 16-year-old, 13-year-old, um, and 9-year-old. Um, 
so busy in, in terms of personal world. You do not um, look old enough to have, <laughs> have a child above 10 years old. Honestly, thank oh my you. God, you're thank you for saying that. <laughs> but professionally, how did I get here? Um, the truth is, it like I said, it wasn't linear. I went the traditional path, you know, go to school, enter the business world. I was part of the dot-com industry way back when, when it was new. Um, I was a project manager, um, eventually ended up leaving that and running my husband's law firm because I had that managerial project management um, history and and know-how. Through that process, however, I started working with the employees and really helping them understand who they were, what they wanted, um, you know, paralegals wanting to maybe become attorneys, which was the professional side of it. Now we also take the personal side of it. So at the same time, I was going through my own realization around my own people pleasing, my own perfectionism understanding that as I was showing up as that people pleaser, so were my children emulating that. And so I was going through that personal growth process of recognizing, recognizing if I didn't want my children to become the people pleasers, perfectionists, not that those are bad things. I do feel like there's, there's a strength in being empathetic and caring, but we can lean a little too far into it, which can sometimes take away from what we need as individuals. Um, So I was going through that personally. So I, as I was understanding a little bit more about where that came from for me, I realized that my calling was to take that experience, a personal experience, and my professional training helping people grow. And I could bring both of those things together and create this company, this this coaching company, and be able to help people recognize what is holding them back. Because what was really holding me back from a professional standpoint was I was behind the scenes. While I really enjoyed supporting my spouse and his dream of a law firm, really from the age of seven, I wanted to work with people and I wanted to support them. And yet I kept pushing that aside and it kept going into the background. And so through my own personal growth and transformation and that professional, I was able to really bring those two things together. So like I said, not a linear path, uh, but my path. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the best because you can't teach something you don't feel. Like it's not just something you can learn in a textbook. I find, you know, more and more people, I'm so proud because more and more people like are teaching from their experience, which to me, like I would hire somebody like that over somebody who just learned it in a book. Like, you know what I mean? I just absolutely feel- people will often say to me, comedy, what sets you apart? And I and I own it. I say, you know, I have a lot of training because I'm also um I am a, a bookworm. I love to learn. So I've done a lot of training. But it's it what makes me unique is that I have lived what I'm talking to people about and I'm coaching them through. So it's training coupled with personal experience that I think really allows me to authentically show up and really be able to come to an understanding and and help support people as they go through that process. Yeah, I love it. You know, more and more we're hearing the term limiting beliefs and we have been hearing it for a while, but Mm -hmm. if you're not in, you know, the personal development space, maybe you don't know what that really means. So what would be like an easy definition for people who are listening, who are like, what are they talking about? Yeah. What would I say about that? So one thing that I, my one caveat to that is I sometimes call it limiting beliefs because that is kind of what people recognize. I refer to it also as false beliefs, false beliefs about self. So what we're really saying when we're, when we're using the term limiting beliefs or false beliefs, it's beliefs about self that just are not true and they hold us back. So an example, I'm not good enough. 
I'm unworthy. I'm not lovable. I'm, I don't belong. I am alone, right? Those are beliefs that we might have about ourselves that then end up holding us back. Yeah. And I don't know, having limited beliefs, because I think at some point in our life, we all have them. Um, where do you think they really start from? Do you think it's from listening to other people and believing in what they're saying? Or do you think it's coming like really from, from within us? I think it's, I think there are several prongs where they can come from. One is <clears throat> socially, right? When we're in just with society, uh, we will pick up messages and they can come from that uh, familially. When we hear messages from our family, as we're growing up, we're going through experiences. So I'm, I, we're not even talking about abuse or trauma necessarily. Clearly those would, would contribute to it. Mm. We're just talking about sometimes messages, you know, um, for instance, I just had a, uh, I had somebody reach out who wanted to work with me and then her significant other said, that's too much of an investment. Really what we're hearing there is I'm not worth that investment, right? So the limiting belief is I'm unworthy. Mm. So it can be sometimes family. Sometimes it's um, culturally, our culture can, can lead us to believe certain things or lead us to um, those limiting false beliefs about self. Again, it, it, we're not judging. We're not, this isn't about blame. This is just, where does it come from? And then the fourth is our personality, right? It's like, so I'm a, I, I totally admit I'm a high achiever. I'm an overachiever, overfunctioner. And so some of my limiting beliefs just came from my own personality traits. Yeah, it's really important that people understand that, I think, before, you know, we get going on it. So thanks mm -hmm. for explaining that to us. So I don't know if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not good at anything, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I truly, I, I believe it, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what people tell me, I believe it. How do we help somebody who is determined to like, what would be the, like a first step that we would you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and it's true because I think the, the, the really important thing of what you just said there is I really believe it. And so the key there is to say, where does that story come from? Cause our beliefs come from somewhere, right? So if we can get to that place of tell me more without judgment, it's really with curiosity and compassion is okay. Tell me more. Where does that come from? Where, what were some of those experiences that led to that belief? If you really believe it, let's own it. Let's own it and ask, where does it come from? Because awareness is the doorway to change. So if we become aware of where it came from, now we can start challenging it ever so slightly. So for example, with me, um, I know that I grew up daughter of two immigrant parents, uh, predominantly white town in Connecticut. I have a very unusual name. <laughs> it Love stuck you. out. <laughs> and so as a little five, six-year-old girl who went to school for the first time with these kids, I stuck out. And so really quickly, and not five or six, I don't know that it's a false belief, but a false belief really was, is I'm not good enough and I don't belong. And that's where my people pleasing came from. Because if I could make sure that everyone was happy with me, then I'm not, I'm not making any waves. I'm fitting in and therefore, you know, then now I'm proving my worth, right? I'm proving I'm enough. So it's, I'm not good enough. I don't belong. I don't fit in, right? The only way that I had started to work through that as an adult is to go back and understand, wow, that came from that experience. It wasn't super traumatic. It wasn't like there's this big trauma in my world, but it was a message I received and I internalized about self. 
once I became aware of it, I can own it. And then I can ask myself what's actually true about me. What actions am I going to take to live into what is true? And then by little shifts, little changes, right? It's not like we're going to make this big sweeping change. I'm not, we're not talking about like a pendulum swing where it's like, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm not enough. Oh yes, I'm absolutely worth. Our brain won't accept that. So really what it is, is small incremental changes where we can live into what's actually true about us. They compound to become the new story that you're writing for yourself. So it's not like a, a one and done right? This isn't like a, here's the magic pill in 30 days. You're not going to believe these things. No, it's, it's, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to commit to myself that what's actually true is that, Hey, I'm worthy by my own essence. I'm worthy by my being, not because I accomplish a, B and C it's because I'm me and I'm living in integrity with my value system. That makes me inherently worthy. Admitting that isn't bad. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And you and I talked about that right before we hit, right before we got on here, right? Where it's like a lot of, a lot of the false belief around it too is like, oh, that's selfish. Oh, that's selfish. Or that's um, self-centered, right? Like admitting, oh, I'm, I'm worthy. No, that's just owning who you are. Mm-hmm. And when we own that, now we can show up in true authenticity in relationship with other people. Yeah. Life is too short to not be who we authentically are. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when you're in the beginning of the process of trying to find out where it comes from, it's hard to connect the dots because it's not Absolutely. something that you normally do. So, but don't quit. Take the time to connect those dots. Mm-hmm. It will be so worth it. Um, I know Kalmini and I both have gone through this journey of, you know, trying to find out who we are, what we're about, why we believe what we believe about ourselves. And it's not easy, but nothing that's worth it comes easy, you know? So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, childbirth. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't come easy. (laughs) Oh no. So worth it. (laughs) I can't relate. I've only got one, but (laughs) just raising children in general. Right. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It's uh no, but, but the thing is too, is I think what happens is we carry shame mm-hmm. around some of our false beliefs, right? Like, especially that I'm not good enough. Usually there's some shame there. And and most people don't want to have that conversation. Um, I cannot remember who said it, but somebody, there's a quote that says the paradox of shame is that it's shameful to talk about shame, mm. um, which is really quite accurate. And so when we think about why it's so hard, a lot of times it's because we are carrying some type of shame around it. And it's about recognizing that when we actually talk about these things and we bring them to the consciousness, we're bringing them to the awareness. Now we actually have a choice. We're, we're giving ourselves a choice point Mm -hmm. to say is, do I want to continue living with this belief about self? Or do I actually want to live into what's really true about myself? Mm-hmm, exactly. Like you were saying that you're a daughter of immigrant, you know, parents, and so am I. Um, my parents came here from Portugal in the early 70s. And actually, they met here, but it's sort of like, so they have their beliefs and they grew up learning and emulating their parents and their parents and so on and so on. Now, as an adult, you know, I say, well, what kind of mother am I? Well, I'm the kind of mother my mother is. You know, or I'm the kind of wife that I was shown through my mother's Mm -hmm. relationship with my father. Some of that I might like, some of that I might not Mm -hmm. like, you know, what do I Mm -hmm. keep and what do I not keep, but not feel guilty and think, well, Mm -hmm. 
what she did wasn't necessarily wrong, but just maybe different. So mm. sometimes if I don't measure up, let's say in relationships as she would, or I find that maybe I, I'm not as good of a wife or a mother that she was, it's just different. Like yes. you have to open your eyes to, you know, who says that a wife is this mm -hmm. or a mother is this, but we learn from it, from what we're shown as like, for me, a young age. Right. Right. And yes. I find that very interesting. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know, because self-compassion has a lot to do with being authentic, right? Absolutely. Um, I was talking to a client just today about this because she just was really struggling with understanding what we mean by self-compassion. And really what it comes down to is offering ourselves kindness over judgment. So self-compassion itself has, Kristen Neff is the leading researcher on self-compassion. And she, she describes it with three pillars, one being kindness over judgment, the second being common humanity, which is in regards to recognize that we're not isolated. Other people have had similar experiences to what we're going through and we can, we can lean on them. Um, and then the third is mindfulness <clears throat> being in the present moment versus being in the past over identification with something in the past or future tripping and worrying about the future. But really when I'm talking about self-compassion, I really hone in on this idea of kindness over judgment, because I do believe that a lot of us fight our inner critic pretty much on a daily basis. You know, we're really judgmental about self and we have a, we, a lot of us will find it easier to be compassionate to others, but we are, if we really were to record ourselves like that inner voice, we're kind of mean to ourselves. And if we can lean into kindness over judgment and recognize that even if something didn't go the way that we wanted it to, we can learn from it and we can grow from it rather than just putting ourselves down that allows us room to also break free of some of these false beliefs because truly those come from when we're overly judgmental about ourselves. Yeah, so true. I completely agree with you. When you're hearing somebody, I don't know, wondering if you have any suggestions. Sometimes we we hear what people's opinions are of us. Mm. And we know it's not true, but we kind of mm. either don't say anything or we kind of go along with it. You know, and it's great that we're talking about what it is, but how it's hard when you're sitting there and you're mm -hmm. like, your, your anxiety starts, your depression comes out. You just don't think that you're worth, you know, what are some small things, other things that people can do to really differentiate between this is true and this isn't true? Like, how do people do that? One of the things that I usually will talk to my clients about is coming up with their own personal mantra or their own personal power statement, right? Because what you're describing is being triggered by somebody's perception of us. Mm. And what happens is, is there's an internalization. We make their perception of us mean something and it causes this emotional state change in us, right? So for instance, somebody, I believe somebody perceives me as selfish that might trigger me into um, self-doubt and the anxiousness starts up. Now my emotional state has shifted into anxiety and stressing out over the fact that I think that somebody thinks I'm selfish because I now make that mean I'm a bad person. I'm making it mean that, 
they you, they have their own perception it makes you feel- which is really sad right and now i'm in this state of anxiousness and what what do we do in that moment i think your question is great because we if you, in that moment we can't go into this long drawn out thing so really it's about coming up with a pattern interrupter. So for me personally, mine is noticing where I'm had, like my body tells me first, right? Like my stomach will start to hurt or I'll start to, my palms will start to sweat. So just paying attention to your body's response to what's happening. That alerts me that I've been triggered by something. In this case, somebody's perception of me and I'm making it mean something. My anxiety is rising. I just take a breath. I focus on my breath for a second. And then I come back to a personal power statement that I might have about self. Right. So for instance, if I'm internalizing, I'm bad. I, what I go back to is I live in integrity with my values. That's just my statement that I just internally will say, I live in integrity with my values. That's something that works for me. When my anxiety is really high, mine is super simple and super short. And it's just, I trust myself. Again, these are just small, quick statements that we can say to ourselves, because what we're doing in that moment is we're taking ourselves out of that sympathetic nervous system, out of the fight or flight, out of the overwhelm, out of wherever we have gone. And we're coming back into self by our power statement. And that's why it's so important that each one of us comes up with one that resonates for ourself, Mm. where we feel anchored into it. And we just repeat that to ourselves. And that's when we have a choice point. We can either now set a boundary with that person right? And say, that didn't feel good. Or we can, we are at a choice point where we say, I don't want to spend my energy in dialogue with this person. And I'm going to give myself permission to give myself space from this conversation. But then we're in an empowered place. We're not coming from a reactive place. We're coming from a very generative, we're in our being, we're making a choice, not from a triggered state, but from a very centered state. Thank you. That would be super helpful for people who are listening. You know, it's funny because sometimes I do that. And sometimes, you know, I honestly, because I'm, I'm like the type of person that I want to get to like, how did they even think about this in the first place? Right. So sometimes I do that and I put a barrier up and sometimes, you know, I don't know, in certain situations, if somebody says, you know, I'm selfish or whatever, then I'm like, oh gosh, this is what people think of me. I have to do more. Like, this is my mm-hmm. problem. But mm-hmm. then other times I kind of stop them and I'm like, okay, you know what? You just said something and I really need to know why you think that. Like, what is your thinking? Like, am mm-hmm. I giving off this vibe that maybe I'm not aware of? Like, is there a misunderstanding? Like, sometimes it's okay to ask questions too, if you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you know? it's like, like you said, the first thing, that we do is we react to it and take it as it's true a hundred percent like as opposed to it's their opinion like opinion is not a fact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. opinion is somebody's opinion and maybe i'm yeah. giving off the wrong vibe and maybe i'm doing something wrong but most of the time it's not that most of the time there's a misunderstanding or people just come up with their opinions because they come up with their opinions right so right. i think we have to yeah take it with a grain of salt and maybe have that second to to ask like all the things that you just said, because don't take it as a fact, like automatically. Right. It's really taking into consideration that all of us, we all live our own reality because our perception or our thoughts create our own reality. So just because somebody is having an opinion about you doesn't make it true. When we really, if we boil it down, it's like, why would we make someone else's opinion more important than our own about ourselves? Yeah. And sometimes 
when we believe what they're saying, that doesn't make it true either. True. That's, that's actually very accurate because a lot of times we have, we, what happens is, and that goes back to the false belief. It's we've taken on other, what we've internalized or we've made, we've made meaning about ourselves out of experiences or messages that we've received. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to look at and say, is this really what I think? Or is this because I've made meaning out of something that I was either told or I experienced? Yeah, I hope that people are listening and, and listen to that again, because I'm sort of like, this is crazy, right? Like we're all living this life where it's not true to us because of all of these influences. And man, I think we all just need to, um, I don't know what the word is. I think we need to just take a step back and see things a little clearer with all these tools that you're suggesting here today. You know, I just feel like there's hope. There's new hope, like for us to all be <laughs> like, honestly, I do. Well, you know, the best metaphor that I can come up with is that of like, you know, we're all these beautiful statues, right? When we're born. And then over time we get layered with dust and just, you know, life goes on. And so there's just these layers that we accumulate and accumulate. And really what we're doing is saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to whittle back down to that beautiful statue that I, I was created to be. And it's, it, that's the work, right? That's the work that we're doing. Yeah. And if we get too dusty, we got to brush ourselves off for sure. Nobody else, nobody else is going to do it for us. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So Colony, I know that you're a best-selling author. What's your book called? What is it about? Uh, it is called Ohm, Life's Gentle Reminders. And the book itself is not actually a cover-to-cover -cover read. So I didn't set out to write a book, is the behind-the-scenes story. <laughs> really what I was doing was jotting down little analogies in everyday life. And analogies meaning life's events and seeing if I could look at it with a different lens. So for example, getting stuck in traffic, one of the analogies in there is getting stuck in traffic, being super frustrated with just, I'm watching these, this construction happen. And as I'm watching the construction happen, I'm watching these men and women, like they're, you know, digging up this old concrete before they lay down the new concrete. And I, as I'm sitting there, without anything else to do, I realized, wow, this is an amazing analogy for what we do in terms of our personal development. Because many times we would say, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be easier to simply just make a change? And so that would essentially be the equivalent of just, oh, there's cracks in the road. Let's just lay down a new layer of asphalt. Oh, like but we, this wasn't what was happening. They had to dig up all the old asphalt and take that time before laying down that new the new asphalt laying down that new uh, level or layer of concrete. Why did they do that? Because if they just simply put a new layer on top, the cracks underneath are eventually going to make their way to the top again, right? They needed to remove the old stuff before laying down that new, that new layer. That's what we're doing in our personal development work. We're taking the time to take out those old stories, those old narratives, those old ways of showing up. We have to, we have to expose them. We have to remove them. And then we're laying down these new ways of showing up for ourselves, these new ways of talking to ourselves, these new ways of honoring ourselves. So for me, the book itself was how can we look at everyday experiences with different lenses? Because when we're able to do that, what we're actually doing 
is challenging our old story because we recognize we could have an experience from our past and give ourselves permission to look at that experience with a different lens. And if we do that, what do we learn from it? And how can we grow through it? Then it's not just an experience that happened to us, but it's something we've grown through and we're taking with us and we can keep building off of. I love that so much. Like you can't just patch it, you know, because you're just delaying the problem. <laughs> like <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> in the simple terms, you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's the same with everything we're talking about, whether it's limiting beliefs or whether, you know, it's, it's our mental health or, or personal development or perfectionism or mm -hmm. self-compassion or anything. If we continue to do things the way that we're doing them and they're not working, then they're going to continue not to work. Exactly. Exactly. If we're looking for the, just the top level, um, you know, it's the band-aid syndrome. It's like, oh, I'm just going to throw a band-aid on it. And yeah, you don't have to look at the cut for a little while, but eventually the band-aid falls off. And now maybe there's an infection because we didn't actually clean out the wound. You're reminding me, I got to stop patching up my tire and just get tire. <laughs> Honestly, I'm having trouble with my tires right now. And I'm like, stop patching it up. You're just delaying the inevitable. Like, <laughs> Although sometimes we have to do that because tires we do have to budget for. However, yes, great metaphor. <laughs> it's so true. I need to do that. There's so many things on my list. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's always going to be lots of things, though. There is, though. That's the thing. It's Prioritize. giving ourselves permission. Yes, exactly. We have to give ourselves permission to say, what are the top two or three things we're going to work on today? And stop looking at the things on our list that didn't get done and give ourselves permission to celebrate the stuff that did. And we have to be on the list. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, if we're not on the list, nothing else on the list will ever get done. We'll ever get done to an extent that we're happy with the way it turned out. Um, I think... You're right. I think we are the worst, our worst enemies. And until we, we break free from that, we really can't live our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. And so I love that we're talking about this topic because I, I think people just skim right over it, you know, and it's something that a lot of people just even in my circle struggle with. I think most of us, we're all humans. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, you know, nobody's perfect. We just try to make our way through life. And, and the more we can learn about these topics, the more tools we have and the more practice that we can. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to give away all the eight steps of overcoming your beliefs because I want people to download mm -hmm. your free book. Um, but can you give us one or two? You know, the, I think the, the book itself, I, I really do want people to download it because it's it's also about making sure that you're finding ways for yourself that that work. I want to give you mine, my like my top ways of dealing with limiting beliefs, my top ways of dealing with false beliefs, because this is what I did. It's giving yourself permission to, and, and Byron Katie talks about this too. It's asking yourself without the thought of X, am I okay? Right? Without the thought of mm. me being not enough. Mm. Am I okay? A good question. And I love the way that Byron Katie talks about it because really what that does is it gives space between it's just a thought that I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. It's just a thought. It's not actually necessarily your truth, right? So now we're saying my truth is I'm okay. Without the thought that I'm not enough, I'm actually okay. Like I'm, I'm here. I'm safe. 
I'm well, I'm taking care of my family. I'm showing up each and every day and I'm doing the best I can. Hmm. Okay. So that's just a thought that I'm not enough. Yeah. Or maybe even, you know, simpler is just, are you okay with the worst case scenario? Hmm. Cause that brought what you were explaining to me, it brought me back to, you know, I've done CBT cognitive behavior yep. and they teach you a little bit of that. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, can you live with the worst? Like, what if all those things are true? Right. 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 That's, that's a great way to look at it. It's like, and then what? And most often let's say to ourselves, well, yeah, I would, I would keep going or I would do a, B or C. Like, even if the worst thing that I'm fearing in my mind happens, mm. I mean, I love to say my other one that I really use all the time is, uh, is it true? Mm. Is that, is it true? Sounds so simple, but it's not like, because in that moment, you don't know sometimes what to ask when you don't know, you don't know. Right. So Mm -hmm. I want people to write down these little prompts, you know, because you may not remember when you finish listening to the episode, you know, Mm -hmm. so just write them down and put them, you know, have a little card in your wallet or something, Mm -hmm. have it accessible so that it's like, you know how you wish you had those comebacks sometimes? Oh, sure. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I started keeping a list of comebacks. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to be prepared, you know, no more of this anxiety stuff. <laughs> it's, it's true. Like I used to, you know, so I manage my anxiety a lot better now, but I used to be riddled with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I used to go from, oh my goodness, if I can't do this project well at work, I'm going to lose mm-hmm. my job. I'm going to become... Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to, my family's going to starve and then we're going to die. And I'm like, how do I get from A to B in like two seconds? Yeah. 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 Is not that the truth is if for some reason they don't like my project, well, we'll, you know, see what the next steps are. If things right. get really bad and I lose my job, I'm smart enough. I can get another job. Like I don't have to go jump right from, oh my God, I'm going to be homeless on the street. Yeah. And yeah. what if I am, yeah. I can get back up again too. Like Exactly. I have the capability and I can trust myself to figure out what my next step will be. Yeah. So I love yeah. what you're talking about and why you say that limiting beliefs are so important, because if you don't have that foundation, then you can't get to those thought patterns that we're talking about now. And then everything mm-hmm. becomes so heavy. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. just becomes... I don't know. The opinions of ourselves just become so bad, you know, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point about anxiety too, I mean, I think a lot of us will, will spin into anxiety when we have, when we start to really believe these false beliefs. Right. And really underneath the anxiety is, is that fear of, am I, am it's a fear of, I'm not going to be okay. Mm. And so that when we can really just get to that place and it's like, okay, so if I were to get curious with my anxiety, what's it really here? What's the issue? What's it trying to maybe protect me from? Oh, wow. My anxiety is trying to protect me from the fact that I'm afraid I'm not going to be okay. But to what you just shared, it's going down that, that cognitive thought process. And well, actually, if they don't like my project, we'll figure that step out next. Or if for some reason I lose my job, I'll figure that out too, because I, I got this job. So I'm capable of getting another yes. job, right? So we start going down that because really at the end, underneath it was this, the anxiety was popping up to say, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I'm not going to be okay. False belief. I'm not going to be okay. Right. And instead it's actually, what's true is I'll figure it out. Mm. I will, I will trust myself and I'll figure it out. Perfect people are boring. 
I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's true. Like I love learning from people who have gone through stuff because they always have something new to share. You know what I mean? Like it mm -hmm. just, their life is just learning every day. Totally. You know, totally. learning every day. And I know you, you talk a lot about perfectionism too, and it's part of what you teach and everything. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I just had to say that being perfect is boring. Who heck wants to be perfect? <laughs> You know? It's also ridiculously, it's just, you know, it, it it's exhausting to try to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but just, I don't know. I, the people I find boring are just too perfect. I'm sorry. I just have to. <laughs> <laughs> but I think confidence is a beautiful thing. Mm. And people need to stop thinking of confidence as conceited. Yes. Or especially with women, you know, men are, mm -hmm. women are looked, you know, if you have it mm -hmm. together and you know who you are and you're living authentically and uh, that's just too bad, you know, and I mm -hmm. think it's okay. It's okay for all of us as women and even for men, you know, that we own who we are. So I love that you're doing this and I love, and I always respect people that do it from a place of experience. So thank you for that because it's, it's just genuine to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that comes from my own heart space. So I appreciate your acknowledgement because I do think that, you know, I think it does add an element of just, um, I think I'm, I'm able to really engage on a very deep level with the people that I end up working with because I can really empathize from where they're coming from. And again, it's, it's not sympathy, it's empathy. It's recognizing like I can, I can feel what they're feeling and hold that space mm. because the truth is when we're able to come to that place of confidence, that place of deeper self-esteem, that place of self-love, now we're at full self-acceptance, right? Now we become our own self-leader. Now as a self-leader, we can show up in a healthy way when we're in relationship with others. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes one of the barriers when people come to you is fear? Because it's like, well, if I'm not this person that I thought I was all along, who the heck am I? Totally. And I do think that fear is the thing that keeps them from necessarily engaging in the work, you know, because I will talk to people and I'm very upfront with them. And I'll say, you know, you have to be ready to do the work. And, and, and it's not that your life's going to turn upside down and sideways, but it's taking a look at yourself sometimes isn't so easy. But if we can do it from a place of, of compassion and kindness and genuine love for self and really open to the possibilities of what's on the other side of recognizing where your worth comes from, that it's already within you, mm -hmm. um, so much more is possible. And so that's what I see my role as, is I'm holding that space for my client until they can believe it themselves. And you seem very easy to work with. So everybody, Thank contact <laughs> Colony. <laughs> Download, download her book, read all the things. I never have anybody on that I don't feel is going to connect with the show. So yeah, no, just, you know, give her all the love you can, right? I will take it all. <laughs> is there anything we didn't talk about today that you want to talk about before we go? No, I think we covered a lot of the really important things. I think that, um, you know, the real, the real truth of it all is that being kind to yourself is so important, really understanding that this is not about judgment. And if we can just release that judgment, just for a snippet of time, 
to give ourselves permission to look deep within so much as possible. And so if any, if anybody takes anything away from this talk that we had today, I really hope that that's one of the things that they're able to, to walk away with. I love that. And the more we show up for ourselves, the more we can show up for other people. So that's another reason why I believe that giving has to start with us. We have to give to ourselves, right? One more question I have for you. Um, I sometimes ask my guests this question, not every time. What would you say has been the biggest gift you have ever given to yourself that has changed the way you look or think about yourself? Mm. The biggest gift was giving myself permission to do the inner work. Mm. From there, I moved from defining who I was by the roles I was playing and into really understanding that my my existence, my being was where what was who I was, right? And from that place, I've been able to engage in a lot deeper. My relationships has deepened. I can see it even across the board with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like our conversations are not superficial. They are much deeper. And when they're going through something, they're able to trust that they can come to me. And I know for a fact that that was from the gift that I gave myself, because if I had stayed where I was, Mm -hmm. I would have been worrying about doing everything perfectly and doing it right. And I would have stayed on that very superficial level. And now I can go down into that depth and they know that no matter how they show up, they're loved. That's so beautiful. You know, they're getting all the benefits, right? And you're teaching them as well, like in so many ways and, you know, just not to, and have boundaries and all those things that are so important to teach our children and that a lot of us want to teach, but we don't necessarily know how because we Mm -hmm. work on ourselves first. It's so important. Oh, totally. And I mean, in terms of um, just one extra thing as Mm. in part, part of conscious parenting, they talk about that a lot, which is in order to show up in that realm for our children, we do have to look at ourselves because sometimes what we recognize or what we, if we give ourselves permission, we can see that some of the way that we're showing up with our children is because we're projecting our own limiting beliefs or our own, Mm. um, our own desires maybe onto our children. In fears. Exactly. Exactly. So, because if we, if we imitate our parents and people that influence us when we're, when we're younger, it's the same thing with our children. It's not any different. You know, the cycle is the same. It's just Mm -hmm. as we're more conscious of what we're showing, teaching, learning, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they will, they will reap the rewards too. I love it because I don't think You know, I turned 50 this year and when I was in high school and I was like the age that my son is now, he's a teenager, nobody was ever talking about this stuff. Nope. nope. And I find that his generation is so much more keen on openness and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're still not there, but I find that their judgment is a lot more controlled. It's a lot less prominent, right? So Mm -hmm. I love that. And and I hope that people in my circle... (laughs) You know, and that I continue to grow in that direction because it's great. I think you've got to be open to these conversations. So thank you so much for coming here. It was great meeting with you. And thanks for giving us all your genius and all of your tips today. And yeah, I'm going to remember that next time, you know, write a little card, put it in your wallet and just, you know, is it true? 
ask yourself those questions yeah. like that you mentioned, yeah. you know, yeah. so go back, write down some of the things that Colony said, <laughs> keep it close so that when you are struggling, you're not searching, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we need to have things right on hand. Yeah, absolutely. Use your notes app on your phone. <laughs> and read her book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Honestly, this was a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.